Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same webpage, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up. So if you haven't yet, perhaps you'd like to sign up to receive a daily email from the Course of Miracles Society that includes both the text reading for the day and the lesson. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And I think there's one unmuted line. Um, let's see. And today we're continuing our reading of Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with Section 4, Miracles as Accurate Perception. Miracles as Accurate Perception. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 30. God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. And by way of opening this morning, I'd just love to share this poem from Pierre Elias Amidon in his book, Forty Prayers. It's called Pouring. Oh, this poem. The tender one inside each one is you. The quiet one inside each one is you. The one I love inside each one is you. Beloved, you pour into so many faces, I forget who I'm talking to. I want to be faithful, but you keep winking at me from all these eyes. My heart has a confession. It's in love with the sky and the great mountain there and the way they touch each other here inside me. Sometimes they're so gentle they hardly move. Then soft rain runs down. Sometimes lightning leaps up and a wild howling follows. Beloved, you keep pouring this moment into the next, and you don't leave a clue how you do it. I am in love with that pouring. God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lori. And hi, hi, Fran. I just want to say hello because I was on the highway and I'm like, I can't talk. But thank you. I'm so glad you're back. Hello. Oh, thank you. Hello. Thank you, Lori. Hi, Thanks, Fran. Jessica. Well, let you know that I'm here. Okay, thanks, Ida. Listen for now. Okay, honey. We are so glad to have you back, friend. Thank you so much. Okay, my friends. Glad, glad, glad. Okay, here's our reading list. We have Lemoyne, Fran, and Robin Marie. We're joined in listening this morning by Jessica and Ida. And Donna is here after Robin Marie, and who else has joined?
Good morning. It's Karen. I can read. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Okay. You only have four readers. I can read two. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ida. Put you down yeah. right after Karen. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I think um, to set the tone this morning, um, I would like to go back and begin this reading today with paragraph 24. Then after that, we'll pick up our section four. Okay? So from paragraph 24 in section three, innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. The Lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his Son. In this state, man's mind does see God and because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement, not sacrifice, is the only appropriate gift to his own altar where nothing except true perfection belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. That is why their altars are truly radiant. And Lemoyne. Okay. Turn eight here. All right, chapter three, retraining the mind. Section four, miracles as accurate perception. Or did you want me to reread twenty-four, Lori? Um, I think if you'd read twenty-four and then. Paragraph 25, 25, that would be great. Yeah, we've uh-huh. got 24 and 25. All right. We do. All right, backing up to paragraph 24 from Atonement Without Sacrifice. 24. Innocence is incapable <clears throat> of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. The Lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his son. In this state, man's mind does see God, and because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement, not sacrifice, is the only appropriate gift to his own altar, where nothing except perfection truly belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. 
That is why their altars are truly radiant. Okay. Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 4, Miracles as Accurate Perception. We have repeatedly stated that the basic concepts referred to in this course are not matters of degree. Certain fundamental concepts cannot be meaningfully understood in terms of coexisting polarities. It is impossible to conceive of light and darkness or everything and nothing as joint possibilities. They are all true or all false. It is essential that you realize that behavior is erratic until a firm commitment to one or the other is made. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. Section 4, Miracles as Accurate Perception, Paragraph 25. We have repeatedly stated that the basic concepts referred to in this course are not matters of degree. Certain fundamental concepts cannot be meaningfully understood in terms of coexisting polarities. It is impossible to conceive of light and darkness or everything and nothing as joint possibilities. They are all true or all false. It is essential that you realize that behavior is erratic until a firm commitment to one or the other is made. 26. A firm commitment to darkness or nothingness is impossible. No one has ever lived who has not experienced some light and some of everything. This makes everyone really unable to deny truth totally, even if he generally deceives himself in this connection. That is why those who live largely in darkness and emptiness never find any lasting solace. Innocence is not a partial attribute. It is not a real defense until it is total. When it is partial, it is characterized by the same erratic nature that holds for other two-edged defenses. Thank you, Fran and Robin Marie. I also wanted to say hi, Fran. (coughs) Nice to have you back up. I was thinking about you, too, this morning. (laughs) Um, So, uh, four, miracles as accurate perception, 26. A firm commitment to darkness or nothingness is impossible. No one has ever lived who has not experienced some light and some of everything. This makes everyone really unable to deny truth totally. Even if he generally deceives himself in this connection, that is why those who live largely in darkness and emptiness never find any lasting solace. Innocence is not a partial attribute. It is not a real defense until it is total. When it is partial, it is characterized by the same 
erratic nature that holds for other two-edged defenses. 27. The partly innocent are apt to be quite stupid at times. It is not until their innocence becomes a genuine viewpoint, which is universal in its application, that it becomes wisdom. Innocent or true perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. More simply, it means that you never see what does not really exist. When you lack confidence in what someone will do, you are attesting to your belief that he is not in his right mind. This is hardly a miracle-based frame of reference. It also has a disastrous effect of denying the creative power of the miracle. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna. Uh, Donna, are you on mute? I am indeed. 27. The partly innocent are apt to be quite stupid at times. It is not until their innocence becomes a genuine viewpoint, which is universal in its application, that it becomes wisdom. Innocent or true, perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. Most, more simply, it means that you never see what does not really exist. When you lack confidence in what someone will do, you are attesting to your belief that he is not in his right mind. This is hardly a miracle-based frame of reference. It also has the disastrous effect of denying the creative power of the miracle. 28. The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the truth exists, and this is really a redundant statement, because what is not true cannot exist. Right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. We have said many times that only what God creates or what man creates with the same will has any real existence. This, then, is all the innocent can see. They do not suffer from the distortions of the separated ones. The way to correct all such distortions is to withdraw your faith from them and invest it only in what is true. Thank you, Donna. And Karen. 28. The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but truth exists, and this is really a redundant statement, because what is not true cannot exist, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. We have said many times that only what God creates or what man creates with the same will 
has any real existence. This, then, is all the innocent can see. They do not suffer from the distortions of the separated ones. The way to correct all such distortions is to withdraw your faith from them and invest it only in what is true. 29. You cannot validate the invalid. I would suggest that you voluntarily give up all such attempts because they can only be frantic. If you are willing to validate what is true in everything you perceive, you will make it true for you. Truth overcomes all error. This means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as you excuse me, because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters. Thank you, Karen. And Ida, if you'd like to complete then with paragraph 29. Okay. You cannot validate the invalid. I would suggest that you voluntarily give up all such attempts because they can only be frantic. If you are willing to validate what is true in everything you perceive, it's true for you. Truth overcomes all error. This means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters. Thanks. Thank you, Ida. Okay, just these few little paragraphs. To summarize, then, in Section 4, Miracles as Accurate Perception. 25, certain fundamental concepts cannot be meaningfully understood in terms of coexisting polarities. It is impossible to conceive of light and darkness, or everything and nothing, as joint possibilities. They are all true or all false. It is essential that you realize that behavior is erratic until a firm commitment to one or the other is made. In 26, let's see, a firm commitment to darkness or nothingness is impossible. Innocence is not a partial attribute and it is not a real defense until it is total. When it is partial, it's characterized by the same erratic nature that holds for other two-edged defenses. 27. The partly innocent are apt to be quite stupid at times. <laughs> it is not until their innocence is a genuine viewpoint, which is universal in its application, that it becomes wisdom. Innocent or true perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. 
28, the miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the truth exists, and this is really a redundant statement because what is not true cannot exist, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. So the way to correct all distortions of the separated ones is to withdraw your faith from them and invest it only in what is true. And finally, in 29, you cannot validate the invalid. If you are willing to validate what is true in everything you perceive, you will make it true for you. Truth overcomes all error. This means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters. And amen. I will say the floor is open. Thank you everyone who read this morning. And I might just start off with asking who else has joined us since we began our reading this morning. If you'd like to announce that you're here, um, that'd be great. Good morning. It's Harrison. Great to hear you, Fran. Mm. Morning, Harrison. Morning, Harrison. Thank you. Good morning, it's Renee. Well, good morning, Renee. Glad to see you. Good morning, Renee. I thought of you since the last time I heard you on the call. So glad to hear you, too. Just, um, this is Robin Marie, and I just thought of something that is maybe what these paragraphs are saying, <laughs> and that is um, if I see something in another person that is harmful, that I feel is harm- harmful to them, that is um, a misprojection, and that instead of trying to see them as Christ at that moment, I should um, put this mirror upon myself and see myself as Christ, and that would heal the energies that would allow them to be also seen as Christ. Is that, does that, is that, what this is saying Um, that's a really uh, great understanding Robin Marie and um, it it shakes out for me this morning just really clear in these five paragraphs He, he wants us to know that innocence is the state of everything God created because God could not have created anything unlike himself. 
So if everything God created is perfect, and I join in that understanding, what I've really done is accepted the atonement for myself. Accepting atonement for myself um, means that I understand my own innocence, and because I understand my own innocence, I don't have errors to project. When that becomes a total um, universal in its application way of looking, um, my behavior is not going to be erratic anymore. I'll always see truly. In the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, he wants us to know in paragraph 26 that once I make that choice and accept atonement for myself, it's not a partial attribute. In 26, he says, until it's total in its application, forgiveness will restore me to my right mind. He doesn't say it explicitly, but it's coming up. He's hinting at that. In 27, he's saying innocence, when it's universal, becomes wisdom. Innocent perception always sees truly, that is to say, never see illusion. That is a perfect definition of Christ's vision. Looking within, see holiness. And because holiness is the state of within, I'm only going to be able to see holiness without that sense of, of inherent joining with what I see or the point of today's lesson um, is another description of what vision is. Then in 28, we have a summary of how forgiveness can restore this vision to us. The right-minded is the only perfection, only what God creates has, or man with the same will has any real existence. And this is what innocence sees. However, there's going to be times that I don't. And so to correct that, all I need to do is withdraw my faith in the distortion understanding that forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person it has everything to do with my wrong seeing and that's a really great definition of forgiveness and the consequence of forgiveness is in paragraph 29 when I withdraw my misperceptions I'll be able to project truly and see my brother as he really is which corrects distortions in both of us simultaneously. That is a perfect definition of a miracle. So, um, Thank basically, you for it shakes out. Yeah, yeah. I, I like adding the welcome. forgiveness. I think it's pretty cool that you added the word forgiveness in there because that is not in there, but I think forgiving oneself is where it starts. Um, yes to see that okay thank you thank you you opened that up really well thank you I guess my favorite sentence in this whole little section is it is in 28 if nothing but the truth exists and this is really a redundant statement because what is not true cannot exist right-minded seeing can see Right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. I really like that, and it explains a lot. 
as to how the miracle works when we have that right-minded seeing, you know, I'm complete. Yeah, thanks, Ida. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Because when we have that right-minded seeing, we don't have any delusions. We only see what is really true, which is all that is really there. The other things are illusions and delusions that we create in our ego mind. Thank you. Mm, Thanks, Ida. Thank you. This is Donna. I went to five mass. Five. I went to three Sunday masses this weekend. <laughs> and the. Uh, Do you want a medal? They're working on the. They're work, <laughs> They're working on the beatitudes, and uh, the one that they're focusing on in their their literature is "Blessed are the poor in spirit," which really, which really clarifies uh, what what that poor means. But it's so beautiful because, um, and it's so so perfectly divine, Lori, that you you uh, read 24 today about innocence. <clears throat> because um, these five past, past, uh, uh, paragraphs in that one, what came to me when uh, 26 was being read is, this is where the rubber meets the road. And I think that means uh, this is where you get off or keep going. I'm not sure what that means, but it, it came to me that way. And innocence, innocence. So innocence is capable of sacrificing anything. And what came to mind for me was Matthew 16:26, which means Jesus said, if you gain the whole world, you lose your soul. So if you give up, if what came to me was, if I give up the whole world, then I give up the whole world to know who I am because it's, the lesson is today is teaching me that, that you can't have it both ways. You can't use your human mind to get to heaven. You have to absolutely, uh, paragraph 19 from, from Friday's reading says, nothing can prevail against the Son of God who commends his spirit into the hands of his Father. So that's a total commitment, and uh, it, so the the what the last sentence of paragraph twenty four tells us clearly the truth sets free. So um, and then clearly, clearly today's reading is telling us it's not possible to mix water and oil, everything and nothing. Uh, darkness and light and uh, and that's that's what's really hard for us for me as a human to to recognize uh, I have to do it God's way and not my way and um, and and also and again with that you can't be insane and sane at the same time you can't mix light and darkness you 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 can't mix God and mammon. So that's Jesus tells us in Scripture, Matthew six twenty four, 
you have to choose either God or mammon. And if we don't, then we're just playing around. And uh, I thought it was kind of humorous here. Funny in 27 where Jesus uh, implies we can be stupid and um, not in our right mind. And one paragraph, and he kind of says it very clearly to me, if I'm trying to serve God and mammon, uh, most of the time I'm stupid and most of the time I'm insane. So that encourages me to uh, walk by faith, which is what 28, uh, you can't walk in the dream with faith. You have to walk in truth with faith because um, only believing and disbelieving walk in the dream. This is a magnificent lesson. I'm complete. Thank you, Donna. Yeah, that thank you, Donna. Very complete. Thank you, Donna. You speak very well. This is Donna again. I just saw here the last part of uh, Friday's lesson 19 says what I tried to say very well. The Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because they are one mind and one will. The single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. whether I'm on mute or not. <laughs> uh, you are not. Not now. <laughs> I was just listening to you, Don, and I thought, are oh, you saying you're stupid and all these different adjectives? And I was thinking, don't talk about my friend Donna like that. <laughs> you're perfect. <laughs> um, it's in relinquishing um, the distorted self uh, made appraisals that I'm a body and that I I can be stupid. That's not me. That's not me. And um, just to laughingly let it go, I'm, I love the line in 27, that innocence becomes a genuine viewpoint, which is universal in its application. And that is wisdom. That's the perennial ris- wisdom of who and what we are um, that's inherent in the lesson today that God sees everything as itself, love sees everything as itself, and overlooks what perception um, would deny. Perception 
a being deception, you know, that what our body's eyes would see and try to tell us is is reality, which is not reality, is, um, you know, merely overlooked and judged not. And um, and the, the, the pure perception of Holy Spirit being all-inclusive and rejecting nothing and saying, you know, you know, I don't, I, I'm not deceived by appearances or what seems to be the reality of what the world says is true. I'm, I'm going to stick to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that is one, and that is God, and that's it, and nothing else is true. The um, miracle perceiving everything as it is, and the miracle being a correction for um, um, what man made or miscreated by using the power of the mind that God gave us to be co-creators. And um, so we messed it up a little bit. But it, the joy in it is that the teaching relinquishes us of, of the fact that we what we couldn't do, we could not usurp the power of the perfect will of God to create only what was beautiful, good, and... Um, you know, just loving that we couldn't create, create, we could not create other in another will. That that separate will was an imprisoned will, and it was imprisoned in its own sleeplessness and its own dream. Um, but I love the way you highlighted, um, Lori, the different sections of the text today, and um, especially the way to co- correct all such distortions is to withdraw our faith from them and invest only in what is true. And, you know, there, there's um, a line in, in, in the end of the text that really is stuck in my, the billboard of my mind that says, do not put faith in the disasters that you've made. And this is where, um, when I'm looking at, the major distortions that we we believe we believe that we can perceive our an image of ourselves as a body and make that the truth of our reality is the power of our belief, but it's really non-existent in the reality with a capital R, our true reality, the truth of who we are. It's untouched and unchanged and unaltered and nothing can be added to it or taken away from that so that I rest in that truth in order to dissolve and let go of all the misperceptions of myself and others, um, the beliefs that we're bodies, and wanting only to see the spirit, that my, my reality is only spirit my, and, my, and spirit is in a state of grace forever and that's perfectly protected and um, in perfect safety um, in the kingdom of heaven, of which we are all a part. Um, This willing to validate. We can't validate the invalid. We can't make true what is not true. And that's just another different way of saying what I I just shared and hold dear to my heart, Um, that if I perceive truly I am canceling out misperceptions in myself and others. And that's, that is what healing is. <laughs> Ergo, um, you know, to listen, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, 
tell me what is true, how I'm perfectly protected and safe. Um, I have nothing to worry about, nothing to fear, that God's, God's love sustains me in every breath I take. Um, you know, that even breathing isn't necessary <laughs> because I am as God created me. Um, you know, what do I need the world for at all? I don't. The world is just propaganda for itself and the body that arose as an instrument of separation. So to, for me to perceive my mind in the body is, is the fragmenting of myself from the mind of God. i got to let it go. It's simply not true. I have a body, sure. It loves, it loves what it does in the world and how it embraces the experience, but I don't identify with it. I remember the truth of the limitless expanse of the mind of God that holds everything in it as an idea, Judy included, everyone included as an idea. And all the thoughts that Judy could possibly have are merely thoughts in the mind of God. Whether they be in alignment and in accord with it is my question for myself today. So grateful you guys were all here, and thank you, Lori and Lemoyne, for your ever-present great facilitating us together. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. That was very complete and also a great segue to our lesson today. And so here we are today remembering as often as possible God is in everything I see because God is in my mind and Fran we're just so happy that you're here with us this morning to share this lesson reflection as you lead us so thank you amen thank you thank you so much hi guys it's so great to be back missed you all okay we are on lesson 30 we're in the beginning of the workbook and today we are on lesson 30 God is in everything I see because God is in my mind so I shall read some from the lesson the idea for today is the springboard for vision from this idea will the world open up before you and you will look upon it and see in it what you have never seen before nor will what you saw before be even faintly visible to you today we are trying to use the new kind of projection we are trying to join with what we see rather than keeping it apart from us that is the fundamental difference between vision and the way you see today's idea should be applied as often as possible throughout the day real vision is not limited to concepts such as quote near and quote far real vision is not only unlimited by space and distance but it does not depend on the body's eyes at all the mind is its only source to aid in helping you to become more accustomed to this idea as well devote several practice periods to applying today's idea with your eyes closed using whatever subjects come to mind and looking within rather than without today's idea applies equally to both so we'll take a moment and reflect on this lesson 30 
God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. The idea for today is the springboard for vision. Lesson 30, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Welcome. I mean, if this was a good lesson for you to come back on, huh? Absolutely. I'm guessing. Yeah. I just love that first line. The idea for today is the springboard for vision. We are on a springboard for vision. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Fran. You're welcome. My pleasure, totally. And we have to remember, as he tells us on paragraph three, today's idea should be applied as often as possible throughout the day. Whenever you have a moment or so, repeat it to yourself. I'm complete. Yeah, thanks, Fran. Here's an interesting side note. Um, I think I'm off mute, huh? Yeah. Okay. Let me go back to it. When Helen um, took down this dictation on miracles as accurate perception, um, she recorded this reply to her question, she asked the voice, is that all? 
and here's the reply. The reason why this section is so short, despite its extreme importance, is because it is not symbolic. This means that it is not open to more than one interpretation. This means that it is unequivocal. It also explains the quotation which you have never gotten correctly in complete form before. The quotation is a biblical reference uh, from 1 John that goes like this. But this we know, that when he, capital he, shall appear or be perceived, we shall be like him, for we, we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Every man does have this hope that he can see correctly, because the ability to do so is in him. Man's only hope is to see things as they are. How about that? <clears throat> when I um, when I read that this morning, I, I you know I did my meditation and such and read and and sat and listened for a while as I usually do, and um, and then I came downstairs and as I always do, I sat down and said, "Well, this is your call, Father. Um, what shall we talk about?" And I. Uh, referred back to this little answer that the voice gave Helen. This section is unequivocal. There's no other way to see it. And, um, and it just fell into place that we have a choice. We always have a choice. But when I make a firm commitment to truth, what I'm really saying is, I want to know. I, I don't want to see and have to interpret everything. Because perception is a process of looking out and deciding what something is, and then making a judgment, and then responding accord accordingly. That's the ego's way of doing it. So I can either perceive, or I can make a firm commitment to know. And if I make a firm commitment to know, what I'm really doing is making that choice that, yes, I want to know the mind of God. I want to know the truth. I, I want to know what's absolutely true. And I, I'm not willing to settle for anything less than that, which is essentially what he's saying in paragraph 25. Um, there are some concepts that cannot be understood in terms of opposites. I'm really, really grateful for that today. Um, because, um, well, you see, way back a long time ago when I had that holy incident, um, it's like the mind of God looked at me and said how perfect you are. And I felt that love and adoration and, and extreme um, joy at knowing the mind of God recognized me as its own, which is essentially um, accepting atonement for yourself. But I had it 
everything in my mind was so backwards and upside down I couldn't understand what happened to me I didn't understand and so I went looking well let me say at the end of all of that holy instant I started to understand words and I only had a few of them but one was I am home and that I was certain of without a doubt and was very very happy about it <laughs> and the second one were the words all of this is because you believe in opposites now that <laughs> you know I went away from that thinking okay hot and cold black and white uh, you know I couldn't understand what he meant by all of this is because you believe in opposites and so I went searching all the literature I could find in the world all the various traditions you know the praying philosophy and Aldous Huxley and Hindu tr tradition and, and the path the one path I mean I went looking everywhere for what what does this mean how do I put this experience into context of how I'm to understand because everything I understood before was wrong you know um, and then I came upon Course in Miracles and I read that word opposite and I understood uh, here's my home here's my path here's my truth um, yes I make the commitment to know as God knows to know creation as creation knows me to agree that only truth is true um, and to accept atonement for myself does that mean that's a once and done <laughs> you know for a long time I thought it was but it's not that's not a once and done it's the framework it's the background it's the frame of reference from which everything can be understood if I'm willing to know rather than perceive and with that as a background and making that unequivocal choice for I'm only ever going to be satisfied with truth I come to the world and what what's going on here well I knew I know that I loved I, I was so full of love it was just unbelievable um, crazy love blissful love <laughs> people wanted to marry me <laughs> on the floor I worked you know <laughs> um, but that doesn't last you know and I discovered it doesn't last unless as a consequence of accepting atonement for myself and having that direct experience which is what vision is that direct experience somebody can tell you the truth and that's all good but to have a direct experience like God is in everything I see because God is in my mind that changes everything it just changes everything now he says you can take this frame of reference this vision and apply it to everything that you see and when you do you're in a state of right mind but guess what stuff happens <laughs> stuff happens stuff triggers comes a trigger and you realize oh there's something there I, I haven't let go of yet and so I can maintain this state of right-mindedness 
like I love it when I hear the phrase rover meets the road um, because when I say I want only the truth what I'm really saying is help me help me help me help me understand help me help me with this help me with that help me with the other in every case where I feel this loss of peace slip away from me help me and in that sense accepting atonement for myself is the realization that help is always there I'm never ever ever going to be alone again um, the Son of God is alone in nothing he says and truth will answer every call I make you know he says the Holy Spirit is the answer he's part of me this person that I thought I was he's part of you he's part of God he's part of everything and that direct experience can be known to me every single time I feel that loss of peace oh wait now I'm seeing something wrong I'm just seeing something wrong I need help with this and um, and Holy Spirit becomes the answer to everything um, is that all Helen asked is that all well it's pretty unequivocal these things innocence is the state of everything the mind of God can be known as truth in every experience that you make that choice that you will have a direct experience of holiness every time you realize God is in everything you see because God is in your mind which is vision if you feel a loss of peace apply some forgiveness and withdraw your investment in illusion and finally miracles you'll have another direct experience of how God moves in the world is that all that is all and uh, I'm complete Oh, wow, that Lori, was that beautiful. Was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. So good. Thank you. Yeah. I love the way you said, help me, help me. I say that so many times. Thank you so much, Lori. Love you guys. Thanks. And it's so great to remember that we will never be alone. Never. Never have been. Never will be. I'm complete. Mm, amen to that. Thanks, friend.
This is Fran. I love how in paragraph 29, wait a minute, my book got weird. <laughs> he tells us, it's so, it's so basic and so simple, but he just makes that statement, truth overcomes all error. Ah, love it. And then he tells us, this means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. Mm. So simple, but so beautiful and so comforting. I'm complete. Mm, thanks, friend. And one other one I love, 27. This made me chuckle. The partly innocent are apt to be quite stupid at times. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I love that he said that. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Thanks, friend. I did too. I'd like to focus on um, on the difference between direct and indirect experience uh, because I think I think that's um, well I don't exactly I, I more than think um, <clears throat> I know that the great gift of the Course in Miracles is the difference between indirect experience and direct experience. Thinking of that quote, um, it goes, I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge. And as such, I did not attempt to correct error from the top down. That is to say, I didn't so much attempt to correct my or anyone else's misunderstanding by a judgment of what's true. Rather, I um, gave up my misperceptions from the bottom up. And, and the difference, I think, between indirect experience and direct experience is what every lesson in the Course in Miracles holds out. You know, you can have 
an indirect experience like God is in everything I see because God is in my mind oh that's that's really great to know but when I apply that lesson to my own experience here and here and here and here and here or with this and this and this and this um, I have a direct experience of how that's true um, that's exactly how I entered my meditation this morning and I think that's the invitation of every lesson here's some information for you see how this fits in your life and when you do you'll have a direct experience a direct experience and unmediated by by thought an unmediated experience um, that feels like the application of knowledge rather a direct experience of the truth of the lesson and um, so anyway I, I did my meditation this morning and after a while I got up and went and washed my hands and, and I touched my hand towel and I I felt reverence um, just reverence for the hand towel now a person can't go around you know <laughs> like that um, you know but the point is it's life-changing it's life-altering to recognize God is in everything I see because God is in my mind it's life-altering because in every setting I can have a direct experience of how that's true in the now moment you know I'm thinking of a time several years ago I was this lesson was on my mind and heart while I was driving and you know you can think a lot or you can let a lot of lesson stuff happen while you're driving and still drive <coughs> at least <laughs> I can <laughs> maybe that's not so good but anyway um, just driving and thinking God is everything I see because God is in my mind and I was on my way to get my hair cut and uh, I've known my hairdresser for years and he's a very kind and loving man and I was thinking that and uh, by the time I got there I was just in a really happy place and, and it turned out my hairdresser was in a state of need that day he needed to remember the truth about him and it was so natural there's such a natural uh, flowing out this sense of Roger's holiness and I know for a fact that he experienced that same thing it was all very wordless uh, totally wordless but that day when I left um, he had tears in his eyes and he gave me a hug which was the first time in 20 years <laughs> you know neither one of us probably could say exactly what happened but the direct experience of what happened is eternal and um, I think that's what this holds out this lesson I can know and have direct experience of God moment to moment to moment even here while I'm in this body it does not require that I give the body up it requires only that I'm willing to see with vision 
and from that perspective I start to understand the eternal nature of love and how love is an inherent part of me and um, and it's the essence of love that it's shared you know every attribute of God is naturally shared so um, anyway there's a great great invitation on this lesson and um, and in my experience it is life-altering I'm complete Oh, Lori, thank you so much. Love that. Thank you. Another part of this reading I love is paragraph 26 when he tells us a firm commitment to darkness or nothingness is impossible. And then he tells us no one has ever lived who has not experienced some light. That means everyone we look at, everyone we see across our path has experienced some light. I love it. (laughs) I'm complete. Oh, thanks, Fran. Good morning, it's Karen. I don't know if I can do this, but uh, so a long time ago I wrote a song, and this is the these are the words. I probably shared it before, but it goes so well with this lesson and this reading today. It says, Spirit told me to look into the eyes of my friends, 
see the truth, see the beauty, see the God inside of them. Spirit told me to know that only love is real. Whatever else I may imagine, it's just a dream we feel. Spirit told me to know that God is everywhere, and each person is his glory, his spirit do we share. The voice said, know the beauty is always there to find. Look with the eyes and heart of God and not the human mind. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Karen. That was so beautiful. Just perfect. Yes, it does go with this lesson and this reading. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share it. It, um, I'm driving, and actually it's quite a long song. It goes into um, paragraphs about specific people. Um, One of them, for for example, is uh, he came into our home and joined our family for a while. Devotion followed through the door, simplicity, integrity, and more. His love for God was everywhere. His laughter filled the air. Acts of service and sacrifice and reverence did he share. He is so humble, yet his spirit is so grand. He touched our hearts so deeply. He is a holy man. And there are three other verses about people, specific people that um, were a part of our lives back in the day. Um, What I got out of the lesson specifically today was if love is in my mind, if Christ is in my mind, if reverence is in my mind, if truth is in my mind, then everything I think on is blessed by the Holy Spirit of God. So if I just keep my mind in God, everything is blessed that I think of. So when I think of a person or I think of a situation or a problem or whatever it may be, it's blessed by the divine. And thank you again for letting me share. And that's now, I'm a, now I am complete. Oh, Karen, that was beautiful. Beautiful yeah. description of that direct experience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. This is Donna. What uh, Fran said about knowing and therefore seeing the light of Christ in everyone. When I heard her say what she said, what popped into my mind was how Jesus tells us um, that miracles aren't perfect. I mean, uh, miracles aren't <laughs> miracles aren't our business. Bottom line, uh, that if we're miracle minded and miracle ready, Jesus can do the miracle for us or through us. But we do not need to be concerned with the outcome. 
And the, I, the understanding I got from actually living this is it doesn't matter that it seems like the individual who we've already know has the light of Christ in them isn't affected by, even if we're aware, oh, I'm pretty sure Jesus just did a miracle through me. The point is only he knows when to stir and awaken someone so that the experience is edifying and not terrifying. And it just clears, it just takes all responsibility for, for uh, outcomes, uh, puts them in the hands where they belong, Jesus and Holy Spirit. I am complete. Excellent, Donna. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Good point. Hey, um, yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. I'm just one comment, Judy. When I tried to um, find words for what a miracle is like in direct experience, what came to me is that it's it's like a direct rush of relief to recognize that whatever it was, I'm not separate from it. And it feels um, feels like I've laid down something. Feels a miracle is like a rush of relief in laying down something I was carrying that I didn't even know I was carrying. And when that burden is lifted from me and from the situation, whatever the situation may involve, it's just a simultaneous rush of wholeness that feels like separation's just gone. I didn't even know I was having that separate feeling experience. But a miracle lets me know that, yeah, I was. And oh gosh, it feels so much better not to feel separate from whatever this is. And if I'm not separate from whatever this is, love is there. It's just always there, awaiting my experience. When I let go of the, the idea that I'm separate from anything, and um, and that is a simultaneous experience um, in whatever the situation may be. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. I was still um, just reveling in the the word univocal, <laughs> you know, that God put himself into everything everywhere so that I couldn't forget him. And that, um, you know, the Course teaches me that the Holy Spirit is the only part of the the um, Trinity that's symbolic, and that's why it's difficult to understand or to grasp. But the, the um, experience of it is in that unification, that that dissolving of the separateness, Lori, that you so um, spoke of, um, is the experience of love, that you are not other than me. You are one with me is love. That is the experience of love. That <laughs> I fall out of myself and into love with you, and and we become one. And um, that's the glory of it all, being love. Um, 
letting go of this sense of separate, um, finite, judgmental thinking in, in order just to join with in the universal call, the call of the Holy Spirit to to wake up, wake up and and um, experience that call to joy. It's a call to joy. It's simply a call to joy that that wholehearted, you know, everything I see, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. <laughs> the next few lessons are some of my favorite because they really truly awaken me to the one-mindedness where I lost the sense of a Judy self, a separate self, and <coughs> forgot in order to remember better using words from the text. It's so always already present. Thank you, Fran, and welcome back. It's great to hear you. Um, you know, that presence that we're swimming in, that that sea of grace that unifies us all in the invisibility of the Spirit. But I have to open my mind and my heart to it and get out of my head and soften my gaze and, and not think so concretely and specifically the way the ego operates. It's really a softening and letting go, surrendering and letting God be God and everything I see. And it's joyful. It's simply easy and joyful. And there's no worry in it. And it's present. It's always present being here. Being here in it, with it, loving it. I love the lesson today. Thank you all for being here. I am complete. Oh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. You know, I, I had, for a long time, I studied that lesson, there is only the love of God. And that God is love and love is God. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> My head doesn't wrap around that. It's too big. But um, in relinquishing what I used to think of love as, as being an emotion, a personal attachment or affection, and, you know, the limited ways that um, it can be expressed um, between people, is not the way the Course taught me it, that God's love is. That God's love is something that takes out the in-between. There no longer is an in-between. <laughs> and that's really hard to explain. It has to be experienced, and it can be experienced. We can live in that light, that light that um, there's no lines, no in-between, no thought even would separate it. And I've been thinking a lot about this thinking and thought. All thought is a fragment of the totality. So that's why it's so lovely when we rest in meditation and still and quiet our minds and because it thought no longer interferes with the beingness, the isness of the um non separate state or state of non separation of being in oneness, and it is quiet. It's always quiet and still, and makes me smile. No in-between, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no distance. There's no near or far. <laughs> it's always right here, right now. And um, I love you. And um, I'm, <laughs> I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> I just want to thank Donna for reminding me of the Beatitudes. I love that be, um, the pure in heart will see God, uh, and God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. And if I have a pure heart, and Jesus teaches us this in the Course that um, to teach only love because that is what we are, that teaching and being and having are are all one and the same thing. <laughs> and being pure of heart is sharing my Father's will um, where there is no sharing because we're one and complete. Amen. Well, I think to close this call this morning, or close this recording, I, th- I think there's a lot more we can talk about. But to end the recording, I was really um, taken up with Chapter 14, The Shift to Miracles. He says, it is impossible to remember God in secret and alone. For remembering him means you are not alone and willing to remember it. Take no thought for yourself, for no thought you hold is for yourself. If you would remember your Father, let the Holy Spirit order your thoughts and give only the answer with which he answers you. 
Everyone seeks for love as you do and knows it not unless he joins with you in seeking it. And if you undertake the search together, you bring with you a light so powerful that what you see is given meaning. The lonely journey fails because it has excluded what it would find. Miracle is the recognition that this is true. We've already learned that this identity is shared. The miracle becomes the means of sharing it. By supplying your identity wherever it is not recognized, you will recognize it. And God himself, who wills to be with his son forever, will bless each recognition of his son with all the love he holds for him. Nor will the power of all his love be absent from any miracle you offer to his son. How then can there be any order of difficulty among them? So, that's the final blessing on our shift to miracles this morning. And I'm so grateful for everyone who calls in to share. Read together and touch the one mind. Thank you, everyone. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you thank for doing so. Thank so you. glad you're back, friend. <laughs>